Welcome to the Internet Advisor Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Foster Brown. Along with my co-host, Gary Baker, and our team of experts, we've been helping people like you since 1998 with your computer problems, introducing you to valuable resources, and promoting tech enterprise throughout Michigan. The Internet Advisor is a two-hour podcast recorded every week at the studios of historic WJR Radio in Detroit. Both hours of the show are available each week on this podcast and are streamed to our affiliates across the state of Michigan. We're also proud to be part of Detroit's newest and fastest-growing podcast network, PodcastDetroit.com. And now, here are your hosts with this week's Internet Advisor. Welcome to the Internet Advisor, your place for answers to your computer questions since 1998, with your co-hosts Gary Baker and Foster Brown and their team of tech experts. The door is always open at internetadvisor.net, on Facebook and through Twitter. But right now it's time to get you in touch with your helpful hosts on this week's edition of Internet Advisor. Welcome to the Internet Advisor. Hi, I'm Foster Brown, your co-host and producer of the program, and Welcome, welcome, welcome. Has everybody recovered from this past week? I think we are still, regarding our side of the political spectrum we're on, are still recovering. And we're going to talk this week about uh, technology and its recovery from disruption. Yeah, you heard me. We'll be talking with Brian Cantrill, the CTO of Joyant Technology, when we come back about the big surprise. I forget which TV program was it, but somebody used to say, surprise, surprise. <laughs> that would be Gomer Pyle. That's, That's right. That's that was with that Jim was Neighbors. <laughs> Foster Brown, not Jim Neighbors here, along with our great crew from the Internet Advisor. We're delighted to be with you live here for the uh, first hour of our program. We have a two-hour program, but this first hour will be on WJR Live, our flagship station, and we are delighted. I'm glad to be back again. And uh, yeah, Welcome back. Yeah. It was a little scary last week. It certainly was, and I'm no longer hooked up to the IVE, and I'm I'm back with you again. But that's just part of the good news. we got a great program lined up here. And uh, with me, of course, Gary Baker. You just heard his commentary as with us in studio, as he has been for the last, oh, 19 years. Almost 19 years. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew Dell, good to see you in studio as well. Always great to be here, but don't say 19 years. That just just doesn't sound right. You had to be very young (laughs) if you would guess. (laughs) And Cal Carson also is with us. Glad he's off ice. And my brain is on. 19 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I, you know, did you, did anybody else experience the day after the elections, you know, and the, or there was announced who had won, that you were a little tentative about asking people who they had voted for? Did you experience any of that at work or, you know, among your... your well, I really didn't have to because Facebook told me, you know, <laughs> all my friends and the, you know, which ones were were excited and which ones yeah. were, you know, going to protest. And I was really surprised at the at the polarity that was inside Facebook that next day. Oh, I think yeah. everybody was surprised. And you know, our first guest? Oh, yes. Um, it was, uh, it actually changed his, <laughs> <laughs> he was doing the, uh, he, he was actually supposed to do a keynote, it did do a keynote speech at Structure uh, Conference, mm-hmm. and uh, changed it a little bit <laughs> yes. based on the uh, 
the results. Can you imagine being in the position that Brian Cantrill, he's a CTO at Joyant, found himself in? And Brian, thank you so much for joining us here on the Internet Advisor. It's delighted to have you with us. Well, thank you for having me. Great to be here. How do you give a keynote speech to (laughs) shell-shocked folks? Oh, boy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and especially when you yourself are shell-shocked. Um, okay. I mean, and I kind of knew in the abstract that this was possible. I mean, I knew mm-hmm. that this keynote had happened to land on the day after the election. Mm-hmm. And it, so I knew it, this was a possibility, um, if not something that felt very likely. And then, of course, we're on the West Coast, so we really knew the election results before going to bed. And so oh, by, you true, know, yeah. by 9, 10 p.m. Pacific was pretty clear what was happening. And, you know, uh, you obviously Michigan is much more closely divided than California is. In mm-hmm. California, you really don't need to, to ask people who they support. <laughs> uh, um, and, you know, I, I'm in a precinct that, um, that Clinton won by 80 points. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. um, I think everyone was shell-shocked. Uh, everyone really was. And I, yeah, I was kind of at this crossroads of, you know, I can't just give my stock state-of-the-cloud kind of pitch. Um, and that, that and was what you were lined up to do. That's this what I was way. lined up to do. I was lined okay. up to, to give a talk on the state of the cloud. And I was kind of reflecting for a little bit. And, you know, one of the things that's been exciting about this year is I've been traveling all over the country doing this Container Summit City Series, which has allowed me to get really local in a bunch of different places. Um, didn't make it to Detroit, but we made it to Milwaukee and Chicago, made it to, uh, to St. Louis and Austin and Dallas, made, made it to a bunch of different places. And as I was kind of reflecting on my experience having done that, one of the themes that really came out um, from that, and certainly we, we've seen this here from our perch in Silicon Valley, but seeing it everywhere now, is the prophecy that Mark Andreessen, venture capitalist, made in 2011 um, in his famous and absolutely should be reread essay, uh, Why Software is Eating the World. This is a Wall Street Journal essay yep. he wrote. Oh. And we, we are seeing that come to fruition. Software is eating the world. And for me, and I think I dare say for us and for technologists in general, wherever you may live, this is exciting, software eating the world. This is, this is economic disruption that is the lifeblood of innovation, coming out with a new idea and displacing old ways of doing it with a new and exciting way of doing it. Well, you and know, all of us technologists, we like disruption. We but, love yeah. disruption. Oh, but, we, yeah. oh God. But, but maybe some not so much. Some not so much. <laughs> and what you begin to realize is that, I mean, we don't just love disruption. We fetishize it. We seek it out. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, we are... I mean, we are, the, the, we are like those that, that have kind of the pathological love affair with fire and become arsonists. You know, we, we are... <laughs> um, and so we, we love disruption, and you begin to realize, wait a minute, um, not everybody does. Disruption actually oh, is disruptive. Man. Software is eating the world, and yet there are people, many people, that I think feel devoured. I think feel terrified by that. They feel eaten. Brian, what we're going to do is take a quick pause here. When we come back, I want to unwrap some of this, uh, talking about software eating the world and some of your other insights into disruption. But I can't help but feel this is kind of much, this is kind of the way the world must have felt when it became clear that the internal combustion engine was going to change things radically. At the end of um, 
in the 1800s and going into the 1900s. It just didn't happen overnight. No, that's the, no. <laughs> that's it, the difference. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally. With incredible speed that's going on right now. As I said, our guest is Brian Kentrell. He is the CTO at Joyant, and we're going to talk with him more about some of the insights and his <laughs> speech that got changed rather radically on uh, Wednesday. Must have spent well, all night, night Wednesday rewriting morning. that. I was going to say, how long? <laughs> yeah, he was up, up all night rewriting this. You're listening to the Internet Advisor, by the way. My name is Foster Brown, Gary Baker, Ed Riddell, and Cal Carson in-house here. We're delighted to be with you for this hour, and I hope you'll stay tuned and, and listen to a conversation about some of the huge changes that are taking place and trying to get some understanding about how we're going to survive all of this. That's all coming up this hour of the Internet Advisor. Thanks for joining us here on WJR. Welcome back. It's the Internet Advisor. And my name is Foster Brown, co-host and producer of the program, along with Gary Baker, Ed Rudell, and Cal Carson. Our guest is Brian Cantrill, who is the CTO at Joyant which is a software container company. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But um, I, I would beg you if you are saying, well, this is a little bit too technical for me. I think we're going to hit on some things that are really very, very much understood, particularly within the sound of our voices here in what's been called the Rust Belt, if you will, or an area that's been hit by disruption for a long time, Brian. It's not something brand new for us out here. It sure isn't. No, it sure isn't. I think, you know, one of the one of the observations that I had that I think really stuck for a lot of people is that, you know, the, the fear that we had here in California on Wednesday morning, one of my observations was I think that the fear that we had on Wednesday morning is the fear that's been felt for a generation in yes. another America. Um, yes. I think that that there's been a profound economic fear. I think there's been a lot of economic dislocation. It's been going on for a long time. It's been going on, um, I I think, at least for the last generation. And I think that that fear is becoming compounded. And I think what we saw was a a political disruption. It was a, a message sent back that's saying, hey, not everybody... Is, is comfortable with this. Um, and, and, you know, to the credit of those that are uncomfortable, little effort has been made, honestly, to, to allow people to be comfortable, to get them comfortable with the pace of change. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. You know, Foster found uh, something online where they were talking about disruption. Yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, and he, he really, um, and you saw this with Bernie Sanders on the left mm-hmm. and yes. Trump on the right, although it's hard to argue that Trump really is on the right, but whatever, right? When mm-hmm. This is not a political show. It's a technology show. Gee, but, I couldn't tell. It's, <laughs> it's um, it, it, you know, it, he really tapped into the this you know trend that's been going on under the surface that Brian was just talking about. And Brian, how do you relate that back to what's going on with technology? Well, I, I mean, I, I think that in in technology we've done this all the time, and we have disrupted ourselves all the time, and it it has had human toll associated with it. Um, but we, we have tend to internalize that. It's tend to have been, you know, and you can ask anyone who saw what happened to Route 128 in Massachusetts um, about technology's ability to disrupt itself when the epicenter for high-tech development moved from Massachusetts to Silicon Valley mm-hmm. um, in the 80s and 90s. So it's not like, I mean, tech is not immune to this at all. No, not at all. Uh-huh. It, this is where it's been happening. To the contrary, it's been, I would say, somewhat isolated to technology. At least the pace has been isolated to the technology industry. 
And the big change is that now that pace of innovation has leapt out of technology into the much broader economy. And we are now seeing taxi companies are the taxi industry yes. mm-hmm. is being disrupted by a software company. Yeah. Ed, you, it was interesting before when we were in the break there, you came back in and were saying, you know, I don't really know what all this has to do with anything. Right. But I bet you do in terms of the changes that have taken place in technology and in people's lives and the jobs that are available to them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now I do. Um, yeah. Well, well, think about disruption in manufacturing more than anything else that comes to mind for me. I mean, everybody wants it cheaper. Give it cheaper. Give it cheaper. And everything's been disrupted in this country where our manufacturing has been moved where? Basically to China. Yeah, or Mexico. Which is a huge disruption. The jobs have, but not always the technology that drives manufacturing. And you know what's curious about this, too, I think in some ways, guys, is that, uh, and we're seeing this, Brian, to some extent, that Detroit in some ways is, or this southeast Michigan is trying to take advantage of that disruption by creating a new, uh, if you will, a new Technology Center. Well, basically, we're disrupting Silicon Valley, taking part of their business and bringing it here. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, I see that. Um, and I, I, I see that from, I mean, I think that there is such great know-how in America, full stop. But the, the American spirit is, to me, about ingenuity and know-how. And I think you especially see that. That's got such deep roots in southern Michigan. And I think that, oh, yeah. you, you know, you, if you talk to people in in Silicon Valley in Northern California, the number one complaint I can tell you is housing prices. And they, they, this, is, this area has become unlivable uh, yes. for pretty basic definitions of livable. And, you, you know, you, it, it does begin to, to force you to look elsewhere. And I think that, I mean, that there is a lot to be said. And you, you see some of this stuff in, in some of the movements um, in Detroit and I think, you know, reclaiming some, some fallow property and turning it into maker spaces. I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. of exciting stuff that's happening, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I think that, and that to me, I, I, I do think that in all this disruption, I think we need to have a fundamental confidence in our ingenuity, in human ingenuity, but in American ingenuity in particular. Um, that we've got a long history. We've survived a lot of big revolutions. I think, yep. Foster, you were saying before the break about the internal combustion engine mm-hmm. and, and the, the revolution from an agrarian economy to an industrialized yep. one. I mean, which is surely a much bigger change to go from being, you know, 80% plus employed um, in an agrarian capacity to 80% plus employed in an industrial capacity mm-hmm. in only, you know, two generations or so. Yeah. Um, Cal, I think, hang on a second. Cal, yeah. I think you had a... You know, I think in some ways, you know, we joke about stealing from Silicon Valley, but I would probably be more inclined to say, and, and you can agree or disagree with me on this particular point, uh, rather than disruption, I think it creates eruption. In other place, in other words, in other places, things are starting to bubble up technology-wise in Detroit. It's going to start bubbling up more probably in the Atlanta area, that sort of thing. Mm. Different places of the country are going to erupt with more uh, technology as a result of the disruption. I absolutely agree, and that is in part because of some very disruptive trends that are happening in Silicon Valley. Cloud computing and open source together 
really allow you to disconnect geography from innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. That's interesting. Yeah. Anyone, anywhere can spin up a compute cluster, can get the, the, the best software. I mean, you, one of the things that I was excited to see Google open source is this thing called TensorFlow, which um, is coming out of, the, of their human brain initiative. They're beginning to use that for all their machine learning. It doesn't matter where you are. You can be a two-person shop in Detroit or Atlanta, and now you are benefiting from this best-of-breed technology. And this is a real fundamental difference between the industrial economy and the information economy, is that the, the cost of that software to you is zero. It's actually mm. zero. It's not a manufactured good. It's information. And it, when your innovation is coming out of that information, to have zero cost means that there is no barrier to entry uh, or low barrier. The barrier to entry is only your brain. Which is a terrific opportunity, and I think actually does that's allow the for challenge. many more people to participate. I think that's yeah. the challenge: is that the brain now, rather than the strong back, becomes the real muscle. What <laughs> scares me though is whenever you say zero cost, it costs you nothing. I always think of the old adage: you get what you pay for. So, uh, how do you variable get the, cost? Is nothing. yeah, variable yeah. I think cost. I think it might, I'm, that might be a better <laughs> better call. Well, so, no, I, I would actually I pull it that a bit because it, it, I'm speaking now just about software that the, the software that is available entirely open source is, is better than the software that you would pay a king's mm-hmm. ransom for a generation ago. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. So it's strictly in terms of software, in terms of the, the quality of the database that you get, the quality of the operating system, the, the, the quality of the services that you can build and you can use, it actually is pretty close to zero cost. I mean, obviously the cloud is not free, um, but the, the cloud is constantly disrupting itself. So it's, it's pretty inexpensive, certainly much less expensive than it was a generation ago to go from ideation to something that's actually operating. Let me just so then- introduce our guest here. This is Bryant Cantrill, who is a CTO at Joyent, and we're talking with him about some of the insights that he shared the very morning after the election to a group of technologists out in California. Go ahead, Cal. So I guess my question to you, uh, Brian, and, and it's really got me fascinated now, uh, you talk so much about open source and, and, and some of it being even better than what you can buy. It, well, does this mean that commercial software eventually is going to go away and will the business environment embrace open source? Oh, absolutely. And I think, and again, we have been disrupting our own here in, in metaphorical Silicon Valley for generations and proprietary software has been thoroughly disrupted by open source software and, we, and and indeed the feeling of economic dislocation is not unique to um, to the, the, the middle of America mm-hmm. and there are plenty of people that work for software yeah. companies that are trying to figure out what their way is yeah world. exactly uh, we're, we're gonna take a quick pause uh, Brian in just a moment we'll be right back with you Brian Cantrell from Joy and Software I'm gonna talk about AI and what impact that's going to have in the future I want you to get up right now and go to the window Open it and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. (laughs) Wonderful line from Peter Finch delivered that line and the movie Networking many, many years ago. Yes, he did. But in many ways... I think a lot of people did that. That's this exactly last week. <laughs> what people did on on election day in the U.S. Uh, they essentially stuck their heads out of their uh, metaphorical windows and said, "That's it. We are mad as hell about this, and we want something to be changed." Our guest with us right now is Brian Kentrill, who found himself in a, an interesting situation of delivering a keynote speech the morning after the election, and everybody is kind of a gog about what happened, but trying to make some sense of it. And Brian, thank you very much 
much for joining us here on the Internet Advisor. Well, thanks again for having me. You know, one of the things I saw down here in a, in a comment that was made was that we're living through a period of tremendous economic and workforce disruption, and the future of software and artificial intelligence is only going to accelerate that. Many more types of jobs will be put at risk and new opportunities will open. Talk a little bit about the impact of artificial intelligence. Yeah, and I I think that artificial intelligence gets, I mean, I hate the label artificial intelligence because Mm -hmm. it has such human connotations. Mm -hmm. And I think that that naturally gets people uh, nervous, especially non-technologists. Computational technology is not on a human trajectory at all. Um, we are the so-called strong AI. Um, actually, giving a machine truly human characteristics is no further along now than it was 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think it's very important that we not think of this as kind of artificial human intelligence. Um, but I, I do think we, what we are doing, and we have done pretty successfully, or are doing successfully, is mimicking some of the baser levels of the brain. So, we are mimicking the visual cortex. And that is becoming increasingly effective. Uh, that's uh, like a machine vision, you mean, kind of like thing? Like machine vision. And yep. you know, um, Andrew Ng, who's a, a professor of, um, at Stanford, um, phrased this. He had a great um, Harvard Business Review piece a couple of days ago. And I really liked the way he phrased it. And that is that if a typical person can do a mental task with less than one second of thought, that is probably a candidate to be automated. Mm. So yep. if, if it's taking you less than a second, because you think about driving, I mean, you don't actually, I mean, part of the problem is we don't think enough about driving, right? That's your mind, true. <laughs> your mind is wandering or you're texting or what have you. But, I mean, clearly this is not a, a exacting a high mental toll. Um, so driving is a candidate to be automated. Um, you know, if you are, you know, if, if you're on a production line looking for defects of a product as it goes past, like that is a candidate for automating. Um, but we are not automating creativity. We are not automating um, the ability to, you know, create art or music or teach mm-hmm. or care for one another or crack a joke or even actually really truly make sense of language. I mean, you look at yes. the, the computational linguistics is still uh, using some, some kind of hacky techniques. So, it, it, yes, it's actually coming, but I think we need to be careful about what it can and can't do. Mm-hmm. You know, you were talking about open source, and uh, we haven't talked a little bit about your background, but you served as a distinguished engineer at Sun Microsystems. That's right. A company that was so thoroughly disrupted that the the building that I came up in when I was a young engineer is now uh, is now in the Facebook campus. Mm. And, <laughs> and to just show you how much we fetishize disruption in Silicon Valley... Facebook deliberately did not change the names of the buildings to serve as a chilling warning to Facebookers <laughs> that this is the fate that awaits Silicon Valley companies. It just shows you how screwed up we are in Silicon Valley. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you, you think about it, and um, Sun has uh, has a, a very big open source footprint, or did have a very big open source footprint with Java, and... He was trying to disintermediate and disrupt an awful lot of other proprietary software, right? And it did successfully. Yeah, and, very successfully. And you know, as as always happens, you know, the disruptor becomes disrupted around here. That is just that. Mm. I mean, that is the life cycle. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't be too smug when you're on one side of that because you'll be on the other side. Before oh you know boy, it. that is really well. You know, I, I do want to mention something since you have a little bit of history with Sun. Um, on the same day that Scott McNeely, uh, who is the uh, founder and longtime CEO of Sun, 
uh, on the same day in June of 93, when he graduated from high school <laughs> at Losher and 17 Mile Road, just up the road from us, uh, Brian, <laughs> uh, four miles down the road at Losher and 13 Mile, <laughs> we had uh, Steve Ballmer graduating yeah. From high school. <laughs> uh, there you go. And when you think about those two companies, Steve yeah. uh, Ballmer running Microsoft for so long after Bill Gates uh, stepped aside, uh, those two guys went after each other all the time, and they graduated four miles away from each other. Right. And, well, and I don't necessarily think that that's a coincidence. Um, I know <laughs> I, I can't, I, I imagine for Steve, um, the, his parents were in the auto industry, certainly for Scott, um, his, his father was in the auto industry, sure. oh, yep. and that... Mm-hmm absolutely played a role in who Scott was and the way, who Scott is and the way he thinks about things. Um, so I, I don't think that that's a coincidence that you saw that kind of, um, that, that Michigan diaspora um, inventing the next wave. Brian Kentrell, let's just step for just a minute. We've got not much time before we have to step out of here for uh, my tech news coming up with um, Mike Brennan. But uh, let's apply this now to Donald Trump, the president-elect. What kind of relationship do you think he will have with Silicon Valley, which has been that huge <laughs> engine of disruption in many ways in our culture so far. Yeah, boy. I, you know, I, I think that part of the challenge with Trump as a candidate is it's very hard to get a bead on how much of this rhetoric is serious and how much of it is rhetoric. Mm. Um, I, certainly there are things that are extremely important to Silicon Valley that um, that we and not to Silicon Valley, but to innovation, full stop. That um, we we really don't want to tamper with. I mean, what an issue that's a hot issue um, for us, but for perhaps different reasons in the rest of the country is immigration. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone who's been in this industry, probably in Southern Michigan as well, yep. uh, has worked with an immigrant who's done unbelievable work, who's added terrific value to this economy, this country, or, or their company. Mm-hmm. We, we have to keep that lifeblood. And um, we can't find the enough really good trained people. And, um, and it's, you know, it's not even just training. It is that the, this kind of exceptional creativity happens mm-hmm. everywhere. Uh-huh. And it's... Um, and I have found, and I've been lucky enough to find, that, that the people who are from the rest of the world come here still, even still. They come here because here's where they want to innovate. And mm. in terms of my fears for a Trump administration, we must not derail that. Um, we, we must keep that, that unbelievable mantle that we have preserved of the, the world's innovation. Well, and so that would be my, my biggest concern. I, you know, I'm hoping that he's just going to make... You know, Barron is going to be like secretary of Xbox, and he's going to rename Yosemite Trump National Park, and we'll be done with it. <laughs> Great! There goes my operating system on my Mac. But, but, but you know, you know, in all seriousness, when you really sit down and think about, it, we've elected Trump as president, and we haven't elected him as king. And 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 with the checks and balances between the, the other branches of our government, yes. uh, he's going to have to be somewhat in the center anyway when it's all said and done. And so I don't. Think we have a lot of threat that we have to worry about. He can't close the borders, and it would be 
not advisable to do such a thing because we need the, the, the total diversity of the world to be able to, be, to do the innovations of the world. I, yeah. I, I think you're right, and I, I do actually ultimately share that confidence. Um, I, I do share the confidence that we, we, we do have the checks and balances. I think he's going to be very bored by governing. Governing is really kind of a, a <laughs> very detail-oriented. So yeah, it sure is. He may find, and even in his, uh, his speech, when he was talking about like two to three years, it's like, you do know you're in here for four, right? <laughs> <laughs> You know, Brian, um, I think this disruption, the technology um, roadmap is just going to continue. And tell us a little bit about Joyant, because, boy, talking about a disruptive uh, technology. Yeah, so, I mean, we're a cloud computing company. We, we've been a cloud computing company before there was cloud, um, since 2004. Um, and we have had our, we've got our own open source stack. And the thing that we were really earliest on was the container revolution. Mm-hmm. So, um, the, for, for your listeners, uh, the cloud computing has historically been based on virtual machines. And a virtual machine is really a virtual personal computer in a very literal sense. It is the, the, the personal computer architecture from IBM in Boca Raton in 1979 mm-hmm. that we are running in Amazon. And what Joyant saw is the ability we saw is moving to a much lighter weight virtualization around mm. a container, which is much more tightly wrapped around the application. You can get much more efficiency and so on. And the container revolution, we were way too early to the container revolution, which is really not necessarily that much fun. You just sound like a crazy person. For <laughs> time. Um, but the container revolution has now fully arrived, um, and we, we, which we're very excited about. We've been really um, kind of leveraging that, um, things like t- technologies like Docker, um, which we've been very excited about. And um, ultimately, so in June, we were actually bought by, by Samsung, um, mm-hmm. which I also think is a sign of the times. Well, that- Brian, we are, I'm sorry, the music tells me we're on our way out of here right now, but I want to thank you very much for stepping in and uh, sharing your insights with us. And Brian Contrill has been our guest here, CTO at Joyant, and we'll Look be back. that firm up. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome, it's the Internet Advisor, and uh, as the young lady said, we're back with Mike Brennan, who is the editor of My Tech News. We do this on a weekly basis. Mike steps in here and gives us some of the headlines that he offers, just a few of them, uh, that give you a little, kind of a little hors d'oeuvre, a little smattering of the kind of things that he offers on a regular basis, free of charge. You can subscribe to it at mitechnews.com. Mike, welcome to the show again. Thanks, Foster. We've got some uh, headlines we're going to look at with you, giving people kind of a sense of what you're doing. And one of them is about a lady who was honored as the Woman of the Year in Technology recently by one of our favorite organizations. The Michigan Council of Women in Technology Foundation. And right. uh, that was a week ago, I think, November 5th. Mm-hmm. I was at the event. I actually uh, did a uh, profile of Nancy about a year and a half ago. Uh, when she came into the U of M School of Information, and that's where all the computer folks get their training. used to be the library school, but now it's the computer school. And she has a fabulous track record, been involved with 10 startups, eight of which were exits. That means she made money when they got sold. 
Mm. So, uh, <laughs> I, I even questioned her sense for why is she teaching at the U of M? Well, she's, a, she's an old U of M, not, excuse me, not old. She's a former U of M graduate, and uh, she really wanted to come back and give back to the university. And now she's been honored by the Michigan Council of Women and Technology Foundation. for the, This is the first time that they've given this award. Yeah. And so she earns it. And her name is Nancy Benovich Gilby, and yep. uh, she is the. Ehrenberg Director of Entrepreneurship at the University of Michigan School of Information. Yeah, we're hoping to be able to interview her uh, sometime in the near future, but congratulations to her and thanks to the Michigan Council of Women and Technology Foundation for recognizing this incredible talent. Another, um, uh, something else I saw there was a little kind of concerning to me. Uh, That was a headline that you carried about climate change possibly escalating so fast that it could be, quote-unquote, game over, according to some scientists. Yeah, this came from an intergovernmental panel on climate change, a report that came out. And the thesis is, you know, everybody knows, well, you can just tell. I mean, look how mild this winter is. The storms are getting more severe. But what they're saying is, instead of having this gradual kind of ramp up towards the end of the century, as it gets hotter, it's gonna, everything's going to come faster. And by the middle of the century, 2050 or thereabout, we could be up as much as seven or eight degrees. Wow. Overall. Another, and that could Overall. be, and some of the other implications of that, Mike, uh, would be, I imagine, levels of the sea levels rising. Oh, yeah, three foot. They're, they're guessing at least three foot rise. So what happens wow. to Florida? What happens to the coastal cities? Um, and, and the concern is, you know, I'm not going to get into politics, but mm-hmm. the concern is our new president-elect doesn't believe in climate change and yeah. is going to move in the opposite direction, and that's really upsetting a lot of people. Yeah, so this is like one of the headlines that Mike covers, folks. It's about entrepreneur, entrepreneurship or sometimes, for instance, some of the awards that have come out, but also giving us insight into what's going on in terms of technology and um, entrepreneurship in our state of Michigan and uh, around the world in general. One of the things that I found rather interesting, Mike, especially given this week with the presidential election that went on, was an article that you uh, headlined in there about the GOP seizing the data advantage for the election here in Michigan, um, maybe ahead of the rest of the country. Yeah, really. I mean, no one was more surprised than me, um, because I look at all those, in fact, I looked at the polls on a daily basis, and you know, it was amazing. But what's even more amazing is after the uh, 2012 election, the Republican National Committee got really big into data modeling. And on uh, November 4th, uh, I never can pronounce his name correctly. It's I think it's Reince Priebus, who's the mm-hmm. uh, head of the, uh, the, uh, the Republican National Committee, called uh, uh, our chair here, the Michigan Republican chair, Rona Robney McDonald's, and uh, told her that they had Trump winning by 8,000 votes in Michigan. That was Friday before the election. That must have sounded re- kind of crazy at that point to Rona. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the reason. Everybody's wondering, well, why the heck is Trump and his entourage and everybody coming to Michigan when it's such a blue state? Well, it turns out that essentially this is a protest vote. Uh, yeah, globalization, yeah. all these over old auto workers that have been thrown out of jobs, all these other people, the middle class is pretty much disappearing, and now they've lost all that, and this was their way to, you know, he was saying what they wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether that, you know, results in all these changes he promises, you know, remains to be seen. Sure. Uh, but there's some things you can do and some things you can't do. But, I mean, you can't really reverse globalization no matter what he tells people. Guy, I'm, I'm going to see if I can get my uh, co-hosts here to pitch in on this. Why is it you think that they had the ability, the Republican National Committee here, um, 
had that ability to see deeper into the data than the Democrats at that time, because they seem to be saying it's going to be a Clinton victory, get out of the way, it's it's a done deal. And it seemed like the deeper insight was here. What do you think? I'm not sure, because, you know, when you, you know, Trump will have revisionist history here, but uh, mm. they were not necessarily uh, looking at their data that said they, they were going to win. In mm-hmm. fact, they had them kind of losing as well. Uh, but what was happening was there was the, everybody understood that there was a bias in the way that they put inputted the the uh-huh. information into the polls, i.e., you know, much more um, urban focused. Only you know, weren't calling cell phones, only calling landlines. A lot of people don't have landlines anymore, and mm. so when you looked at all of that, and when it started to close, which it always does, and it got under that margin of error. Hey, you know, let's let's try it. And those these were the the three states that seemed to make right. um, Pennsylvania, if, if, Michigan, and Wisconsin, and, and Florida. Oh, and Florida. That's right. That's right. And Florida. if and if you could do something, you had to do it in one of those three states. And uh, so it, it was amazing that you know, as soon as the Republicans started spending a lot of time here, then all of a sudden the Democrats started to too. Mm. Shane Hamlin, by the way, is in studio hey. with us. He'll be here for the next hour. Yes, I will. How are but, you? I'm doing well. Some I, thoughts. You know, I noticed a lot of the, you know, a lot of the polls were, were women directed, you know, um, and they were asking these questions that really didn't relate to myself. Um, and I, w- I was always under the impression that I felt that a lot of the Trump followers were just quiet. They were almost afraid to say they followed Trump, so they're yeah, just sitting would... there. Uh, to be honest with you, if I were to, if I were to be a Trump follower, I would have been afraid to put a sign out in front of my door. Right, and said, hey, you know, vote for Trump, huh? I, and I think I those people just Unless you lived there. in Indiana, and yeah. Indiana, that's right. the only thing that was there. In but I think there were so many of those people just sitting there waiting. I'm just going to yeah. wait and cast my vote. Which brings up the magic question, why were they scared? You know why? Because, to be honest with you, if I, what I've noticed in just looking at social media, that, boy, you mentioned Trump and you are attacked instantly. Yeah. I mean, it was vicious. Um, were there, I mean... Well, a lot of us don't like the man, and what, or at least don't like what he said. Uh, obviously, somebody likes him. He's but, a president. But, but they did like what that, he was saying. I don't right? know that some they, of what he was saying. That, not see, all of what he was saying. I don't think they necessarily right? liked the him, but yeah. they liked what he was saying. Yeah. And it was that outrage, I think, that yeah. people tapped into. Yeah. What do you think, Ed? Well, I agree. It has a lot to do with the social media because there's a lot. Um, people say things on social media that they would not say in conversation. That's right. And yeah. and there were some just some friends of mine. We talked about this at the beginning of the hour. They, they, and they would just say, like, I can't believe these words are coming out of your fingertips instead of out of your mouth. <laughs> and, uh, you know, is that is not something you would normally say in a conversation. <laughs> so, yeah, it was difficult. The whole the autopsy here on the election a lot of people say said that sanders was saying the same thing but from a different point of view he was a change agent and if he would have gone up against trump now in retrospect they're saying sanders might have had a better chance to win than clinton because she represented the status quo well and they weren't people weren't excited about clinton they were excited about sanders right? right Oh, guys, we could go on forever on this, and I'm sure di- the uh, dissecting will continue for a long time. Mike Brennan is the editor of MI Tech News. And if you'd like to subscribe to this, it's absolutely free. You'll get these headlines and much, much more video, all sorts of things, podcast as well. Simply go to MITechnews.com or go to internetadvisor.net, our website, 
and you can scroll down the page and you can sign up there. No cost, just put your email in there and you are going to be receiving it twice a week. Mike, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Foster. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. And folks, thank you for being with us here for the, this is just the first hour of our Internet Advisor, live here on WJR. But stay tuned because Investing Sense is coming up next for those of you who are listening to 760 AM. We're going to stay here in the studio and continue recording the second hour of our podcast. And we're going to be talking about gaming. So please be sure to find us. Hello, this is Foster Brown, the co-host and producer of the program and delighted that you joining us on our podcast here for the Internet Advisor, hour number two. And for those of you who are listening to our affiliates, good to have you aboard as well. We're going to be getting into playing games. Now, that's not, you know, it's not what it used to be, kind of, you know, a frivolous pursuit. It's deadly serious. And we've got somebody who is very serious about gaming. That's Shane Hamlin, one of our tech experts. We'll be talking about gaming and all its splendor. Welcome, it's our number two of the Internet Advisor, in case you've been keeping count. And thank you for those of you who are tuning into our podcast. Good to have you here. And for our affiliates, this is Foster Brown, along with Gary Baker, Ed Rudell, Cal Carson, and... Hey now, how you doing? There's Shane Hamlin, good to have you in the studio with us. Glad to be here, finally. Is that the Pawn Radio voice? Yeah, this is uh, Shane Hamlin from Pawn Radio. No, it's, you know, it's... it's, (laughs) Is it pronounced Pawn? It's Pawn, yeah, it's Pawned. You mean just like like the stuff you eat down south? Pawn, (laughs) Pawn. It's a... Pawn, Pawn. Like, say, owned? Okay. With a P, Pawned. Pawned. And that stands for what? Uh, that means I kicked your butt in a, a video game. <laughs> okay, all right. I've explained this before. If you look at your keyboard, the P and the O are right next to each other, right? Yes. So if you were playing someone online and you wanted to own, you said, I owned you in there. Yes. And you hit the P by mistake, it would be pwned. Gotcha. So that kind of stuck. Yeah, as so it became a thing. Yeah, it became okay. a thing. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was on South Park. They made it kind of famous as well. And South now, and actually, it. this is the title of your radio program. Or I should say your podcast. Right, yeah, podcast now. It's a lot different. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but it's it's part of the uh, Podcast Detroit uh, network. network. Yes. Um, back, geez, uh, we, my producer and my old producer, uh, Floyd, we, he's been on the air with us before. Yeah, we were right, talking right. about how long ago it was. It was back in the day of you know Free FM 97.1. You know, when they had actually a real talk station, mm-hmm. and uh, our show was on then. That's right. That's and it's right. been, it's been, geez, 10, almost 10, 10 years. Wow. That uh, we've kind of kept the thing going in some yeah. form or another. Yep, yep. And now mm. you've, what you've done is you've resurrected it, and what has become in many ways uh, the new uh, the field, new, the, the new opening for <clears throat> broadcast. It's, it's tough. It's a lot different than I thought it was going to be. Um, How so? Well, I mean, how's the how's a podcast different from a radio show? I'll tell you what, for me going on live radio yeah. and getting that listener feedback, I'm all yes. about that to me. Yes, yes. I like it 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 motivates me to do a better show. Right. Uh, when when we can just hit pause and you know, you know when you're doing a podcast, it's a little different. Yep. Yeah, you you not as you're not in your game. You don't have much. to you don't have to be as sharp. Right. Yeah. Because because you know you can make a mistake and go back and fix it. Where on live radio right. you got to get it right the first time. Right. You got to be good. You got to be on your money. You got to be right. quick. You got to be fast. You got to be nimble. I mean, you're, you know, I'm doing <laughs> Agile. a show. Agile. Here I'm a young guy doing a show on 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 CBS radio. Yep. Um, there you go. Out of nowhere, and it was intimidating. So I was mm-hmm. like, I had to do this professional show, but it was good for me and my producer, and uh, we've been together for a long time, and uh, we've done the show for a long time. 
So now we've, your live show is on Pwned Radio. Is on, probably on Podcast Detroit. Is on Podcast Detroit. You can get it at pwnedradio.com right. or Podcast Detroit, their their site. Yep. Um, we, we, we'll do the show live, mm-hmm. and then it'll go out to send it'll be pumped out to the podcast networks. It's kind of what we're doing right yeah. now. We're we're recording this program essentially as a podcast, but it will go out on our uh, on iTunes, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, and, and phone radio, uh, Google Play. Mm-hmm. Well, and we have to take certain breaks because you know to put it into the same uh, format that our syndicated Correct. stations right. will take right, it exactly. and whatnot. But I've been on IT and the D. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is part of Podcast Detroit. They started it. Uh, yeah. um, and then I've been on um, Mike and Matt's show. Squared uh, Squared Techcast. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah. tech and it's funny because they take commercial breaks. And I'm going, <laughs> why are we taking a commercial break? There's no commercials. Right. Go, well, you know, but. <laughs> and we do. We have, um, thankfully, we're one of the shows that is a sponsored show on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have <clears throat> Activate Gaming is one of our, is our big sponsor. That's right, yeah. uh, they're out of Ferndale. You uh, got to have a caffeinated drink sponsoring. I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, you well, know, you back, sure listen, back in the, listen, back in the day at 971, yeah, the... back in the day at 971, we had a drink. <laughs> the uh, Miller 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 beer uh-huh. um, came out with this beer slash energy drink geared towards gamers. Oh right Lord. at the time we were doing the show, and it was like, hey, this is perfect fit. It was called Spark. <laughs> I've never heard of and it. And it was it was almost in like a it was in a, almost like a battery. It looked like a battery can, you know, the positive and negative <laughs> and the volt. And it was the grossest crap I've ever had. <laughs> so, but every show, I had to go. And Pwned is powered by Spark, your energy drink slash alcoholic <laughs> beverage that gamers just love. And I'm thinking. Ugh, it's horrible. <laughs> well, you know, I, I sort of feel that way about this whole thing that's going on right now with with um, cider uh, cider beer, you know, oh, and yeah. Angry Orchard and stuff right. like that. I, I just I just cannot develop oh, a flavor I like it. And, and some people do. I like the hard cider. The hard, yeah, cider. hard cider. Oof. That's yeah. the term I was looking yes. for. Yeah. And it's it's like it's perm like, like it, perm solution. It's yeah. I just can't. I like well, it. Do, do you like the hard root beers, the hard uh, orange sodas, any of those things? No, I haven't. You know, it gave me that. The ciders just gave me a just bad turned taste. you off. Yeah, and you just ran in the other I'm, direction. Just give me my Guinness, or, you know, <laughs> to the half moon house. I think. Yeah. Well, it's not beer, and if you approach it, hey, yeah. it's beer. It's not right, mm-hmm. but right. it is. A, you know, it's a he's, great drink. I just remember hot cider with a little extra in it. And, oh yeah, I'm all like I'm old wine. Yeah, hot cider. Yeah. Hot cider. Yeah, going to do. Um, oh, what is the big place up there north that we all go to? The Frankenmuth. For Frankenmuth, you have hot yeah. cider and donuts. Yeah. But the hard cider is a little different. That's just. Yeah, I'm not a big fan either. Battery I acid. can't tell you how yeah. much oh, as a like former it. beer drinker yeah. and now recovering alcoholic, I'm glad that I don't right. really deal with this. <laughs> right. Because but. the taste to me would be just an abomination. <sighs> to, cut, so. to put anything together with a beer would be just well, so but, wrong. But see, the hard cider is not put together with beer. It's different completely. See, oh, no, listen, 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 right. Yes, that is this very is, much different. See, I thought we were talking well, on the radio. Welcome to podcast. <laughs> welcome yes, to this is like podcast. That's so right. this it is, is podcast. Yeah. Welcome to my world. See, this is how we start. I'm a, we, Every day we do this. We are a video game show about video games, but not necessarily always about video games. So yeah. we don't necessarily always talk. It's like more about a gaming lifestyle. Yes. They're, they're a typical group. You know, something shiny just went by. Oh, oh. And we follow <laughs> squirrel. 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 <laughs> totally. So. We'll be back in just a minute. Squirrel. Uh, to, talk, <laughs> to talk more about squirrel. No, about gaming. Gaming. Shane in general. Hamlin. Yeah. <laughs> and some guests will be talking about uh, some Got new, a big event coming up. Some new things coming up. Yeah. Especially a big event that's coming up. 
Welcome back. It's the Internet Advisor, Foster Brown, Gary Baker, Edward L. <laughs> Cal Carson, and Shane Hamlin here. So you're it's Pwned Radio. <laughs> he gets to pitch that in. Uh, shameless yeah. plug 101. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> but, I, it's fun having you back here because, you know, we have you in occasionally yeah. as, a, as a tech expert. And I need to apologize. You know, I, I always, you should, but I don't know I, for what. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've always, I always have enjoyed coming out here and doing the show and being part of the team. Um, but for the last six months, and I don't know why it is, whether it be family issues or work, it has not been easy to get down here. Yep. And I and I've noticed from the emails, it's kind of been that through a, with a lot of us. Yep. Exactly. And uh, I just apologize because every let me every week I can't come down here. I feel absolutely horrible. Well, I mean, when you have an excuse like a funeral or a wedding, yes. you know, I mean, yeah. those are not, kind of out of your control a little and bit. The, the, sometimes yeah. it's just um, the wife wants me home one day. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. You know, so. And, and there was a half dozen groupies down here last weekend looking for your autograph. <laughs> Let me tell you. But I will say this. This show does have a very large caring of audience that are dedicated to it, and I see that every time yeah. that I do the show because the day or week I do the show, I get that. Ten times more mm-hmm. at our store. I, yeah, yeah, we're, we're so blessed. Your store. We are so blessed oh, yeah, to yeah. have the audience that we have. We, oh, we definitely, yeah. definitely. Comptech Services. Comptech Services in uh, Sterling Heights on 19 and Shaner. We do computer sales uh, support uh, and repair. Um, probably better than anybody does. I want to say that. Yep, and they do and a I, great job. As a matter of fact, I agree. Often have people. By the way, if you go to our, our website, internetadvisor.net, at the bottom of it, make sure to click on that. It talks about your local uh, computer stores, and yeah. Shane, yours is one of them in there. And that, by the way, those for, those stores that are in there are there because you, the listeners, have recommended them to us. Not because somebody says, hey, I'll give you a few bucks if you put my name in there, but it's been because you folks have found it so valuable to go there and well, get help. Well, we found, the, we found the correct formula to deal with the public when it comes to computing and technology, and it's taking your time, explaining what they're looking at and what they're buying, so that you're not just handing them a box and sh- oh, yeah. shipping them out the door. Because nine out of ten times, those people are going to be right back, <laughs> right back saying, I don't want it. I'm going to return it because I can't get it. So right. so I spend a half hour, 45 minutes with a customer. And that's the value of yeah. having yeah, somebody is. that's yeah. local instead of a big yep. box retail. Those, so, those shops. Yeah, yeah, this unsolicited testimonial of great value and service <laughs> is being brought to you by the Shane Hamlin <laughs> <Yeah>. Foundation for <laughs> Good Customer Service. Please stay tuned for more details. Uh, oh, now, we're going to talk about the other hat yeah. you wear, which is gaming. Yeah. And you know, I think sometimes when people hear us talk about gaming, they think of, well, I play Solitaire or I play a Poppet or what are some of the other games you may be... Oh, you're play. probably you're thinking like Bejeweled and there you all go. those, you know, all those... Candy Crush. Candy Crush. Yes. Yeah. Well, but I can imagine that you do more. I do. <laughs> you know, you'd, that, no, you'd be I can surprised. imagine yeah. that oh. you do more. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I got gotcha. we go. Yeah, we're actually... And this is the first time... Thank you for that. You're nice welcome. lead. Um, the, the boom. We are having a, an event coming up. Mm-hmm. Um uh, imagine week, that. Uh, on, on, yeah, on <laughs> November sixteenth. Uh, yep. And Imagine Theaters. Yep. And it's kind of a first time for the for this to be there. We're gonna we're gonna have uh, I think uh, from seven to eleven. Um, oh, cool. Prizes, giveaways. Uh, I gotta come over. You're in my neighborhood. We're right down the street yeah. from you. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's not very far. Uh, it's uh, Royal Oak Imagine Theater. Right. Yeah. Right. Eleven Mile You're, and Main Street. You're about Main what? Six, six blocks away. Something. Yeah. Like exactly. Yeah. How about that's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> we walked along that way. It's gonna. You know. What's nice about it is uh, we're gonna actually get an opportunity to shut up and do our show from there as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. And uh, we're not gonna do the whole you know two hours straight. We're gonna <laughs> we'll broadcast maybe fifteen twenty minutes here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, meet the people that come out. It's actually really 
great thing because we're going to set up a bunch of gaming stations so that you can do, you know, um, retro gaming from the 70s and 80s and 90s uh, and all the latest new games that are out, uh, whether it be on console or PC. Mm. And then we're also going to set up a VR station. So those virtual people are, reality. Ooh. You see a lot of people that are wondering about this virtual reality. Yeah, yeah. And you've actually, some of these commercials that have been on TV have been actually almost touching because you see some of this, they, they get these older people that put this technology on and they're almost like moved by what they're seeing mm, mm. and they can't believe what what, what they're uh, experiencing. Mm-hmm. And, I'm glad uh, when he said older people, he was looking at you, Foster. <laughs> yeah. No, listen. <laughs> and, I was, and here I was thinking about this today. I said, you know, either, you know, I think of myself inside is still young. Yeah, but I'm approaching fifty years old, wow. and I'm thinking, and I love video games, and it's because yeah. my generation, the Generation X, is approaching fifty now. Yeah, it's amazing. We yeah. were the we were the gamers, we were the ones that brought up on Nintendo and Atari, and right. and we're going to be senior gamers. Yeah, but you're only as old as you feel, and if you Correct. feel young, stay that way, my friend. No, 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 I do. But it's just like I was thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking like the commercial you know, gaming young, is not friend. just a young man's game. It's not. No, I'm, I'm not, not a young man anymore, and I <laughs> I love the game. Well, let me ask you a question, Shane. Yeah. You guys are coming out to the Imagine Theater yes. in Royal Oak. You got to set up all this wonderful stuff. Is there a charge? Yes, there. Is please tell. Well, if you actually if you go online and register ahead of time, and uh, we'll make sure that we put that on our website as well. Yeah, you'll actually save. I think you save five bucks. Okay. Well, uh, the event at the door is twenty bucks, but that includes a taco bar. Mm. We love a taco bar. Mm. I went to a wedding. Nacho taco bar. I went to a wedding that had a taco bar at eleven o'clock at night, and by far that was the best wedding I've ever been to in my <laughs> life. Yeah. And now the ten dollar pre registration fee also includes a taco bar. Uh, I believe that no, that I think that just gets you into the event. So you still have to pay five dollars yeah, for, the, for taco the taco bar. bar so it's ten dollars and all the free smells. But let me tell you something. <laughs> you know, but you're going to get you know the game. You'll be able to game, um, and that's actually if you haven't done that in a while, to be able to go out and just play some video games. Or Eddie, what relax. were the games you used to play? What did I play? I played a lot on my Commodore 64, and then we went to the PCs, and I started working a lot, and then it was basically like Duke Nukem when you had dial-up modems, and you dial up to a common bulletin board system, and you all, you know, blow the pants off each other, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) It was good, you know, and that that was in 90... What was that? When was Duke Nukem? 95? Yeah, 90, because, early, early 90s. Early 90s. Beginning, yeah. the, beginning of the GUI, the graphical user interfaces, right? right? That's when... Yeah. Uh, see, see, I never did really embrace them on the computer, but give me a roll of quarters in the Galaga game, and I was there for an hour, <laughs> yeah. man. I, yeah. I loved playing that one, or, or Asteroids, or... Uh, I'll tell you what really started the whole, the whole gaming in the... In the, the, the corporate world was when we got rid of... When we got Ethernet... Yeah, networking yes. in in, yep. in the office, and we'd have a little party. Oh, yes! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody would sit. No, explain set up that to own, me. What is that? Set up their own little. Well, land. The, us IT geeks would just set up our own lands, and when we were supposed to be eating lunch or working on computers, we were playing Doom. We were playing Doom or Duke Nukem or something <laughs> like Listen, that. Listen, you uh, you go in the early '90s and go any lunchtime and walk by every in a corporate America. I guarantee you, ninety percent of those offices are gonna have Doom playing. Yep. It was that big. Wow. And and you know what we did? For PC repair, if you wanted to test the memory on a computer that you just bought at a store, you would load the four megabyte, four meg, get that, wow. into a computer and you'd play Doom on it. And then if if you could play it for four or five minutes, you knew the memory was good. I'll be darned. I mean, that's what we used to do. <laughs> yeah, and just so you know. Gary has been uncharacteristically quiet on this. 
Yeah, but those... because he was he was probably the guy to walk around saying, "Hey, hey, hey, no, no, I'm no, no, no. off the doom. I'm, I'm <laughs> registering to go to this event." Well, listen, Sorry, just, uh, just you know, and just so those that know, know, if you head over to active number eight gaming dot com, okay, um, or Pwned Radio, we're going to put up a link there as well. Uh, Pwned Radio dot com. We've got it also on the Intervisor site as well. Yep, we'll be on the Internet Advisor site as well. If so you, you pre-register, it's only ten bucks that gets you in the door, mm-hmm. and that allows you to experience all the free gaming you want. Um, Check out the show, free prizes and door prizes. By the way, that's Active 8, and that's uh, the word A-C-T-I-V, and then the, the number 8, gaming.com. So it's and, Active 8 uh, Comic. It is hosted by Bailey, who is a great gamer girl, and she is, uh, sponsors and promotes a lot of these events. Now, is this a, a second run, or is this like a first event first like this? Time. And so this might become something, right? Yeah, this is going to be really, I think... If you've never been to one of these, it's fun because you're like, oh, I'm not going to game. And then you see someone over there playing um, Donkey Kong, and you're like, man, I haven't played that in years. And they get a little competitive. They're like, <laughs> they try to beat each other's score. And next thing you know, you're sitting there for three hours playing Donkey Kong, screaming at each other because this guy just beat your score. <laughs> and it's insane. So this is just an open event. This is not a competition. This is strictly an just exhibition. It's an open event to have some fun. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I'll give you more information about it. Yeah, we'll come back in just a minute yeah. and find out a little more about uh Imagine, by the way, is a very special kind of theater. If you haven't been to an Imagine... Especially the Royal Oak one. Oh, wow. the Royal Oak one is incredible. We'll tell you a little more about that coming up in just a minute. You're listening to the Internet Advisor and big old guys having fun playing games. Once you know we're playing around here, this is the <laughs> second hour of the Internet Advisor. Having a whole lot of fun with Shane Hamlin, who's in studio, who is uh, not only one of our tech experts, he's also the host of Pwned Radio. Yeah, I've got some support finally. That's <laughs> 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 my boy Thane. How you doing, Thane? Excellent. How, how nice you doing? Nice to see you. Good to see Good. you. Good. We have Thane McClure in studio with us as well, one of these uh, companions. Founder of GTC, I understand. So I've had a multiple side. I have too many companies. That's my that, problem. That's exactly it. <laughs> that's my consulting firm, actually. Uh, scientifically proven is my uh, my entertainment uh, division up here. Okay. We make games and films in Michigan. And you've been involved in making games and film for a long time. Go, give a little background for our yeah, listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I've been making games and movies for almost 20 years now. I moved my company from Los Angeles to Michigan uh, six, almost almost seven years ago now. And you name it, uh, major films. I've got to work with some incredible people. Uh, some big games, Call of Duty and the like, and wow. yeah, it's quite a career. It's been a lot of Whatever fun. Whatever possessed you to go from Silicon Valley to here to the Rust Belt? <laughs> uh, oddly enough, uh, one of my first visits was actually to this studio once I moved here. Oh, no kidding. Uh, I, I moved here for the film incentive. Oh, <laughs> yes, my goodness. That was a while back. Oh, you know, yes, it was. Absolutely. <laughs> so I moved my whole, uh, moved my family, my company, and everyone up here, and uh, mm-hmm. luckily we loved Michigan. Good, yes, because the film is ended what poof. That it did. Yeah. Unfortunately. You can, you can go ahead and tell some of your friends back there, too. They could come as well. You know, we've got- <laughs> well originally, that was the plug. Like, hey, look, it's great here. There's wonderful people and houses and schools. And yeah. uh, But when it fell through, it was, uh, it was oh, that, I'm not going to lie, never, it was I never time. have understood that. Well, I'm we sorry. could always handy up a few bucks to get another guy out here. There we go. That's <laughs> what I like to hear. Yeah. yeah. But uh, now you're involved. Talk yeah. a little bit about your involvement with Shane. Well, um, uh, Activate Gaming sponsors our show. Uh, they've been great friends of our show, Pound Radio, since the beginning that we've gone to Podcast Detroit. And uh, Thane or Nathaniel uh, is j- recently just joined on board with uh, 
Activate Gaming? Yeah, I, I've been looking for a whole bunch of opportunities up here in the broad stroke entertainment space, especially post-entertainment center. There's not a lot of actual development production going on. Mm. So how can I still engage my talents and skill sets locally to continue to build a community and, and feed what I love and hopefully spread what I love? Uh, and I, I got a buddy who owns uh, Activate, uh, which is an incredible gaming lounge out of Ferndale. That's right. And yeah. uh, we kind of uh, came together with an opportunity and started putting together to expand on his uh, local gaming studio. Mm. So you mentioned movies before that you were involved in. What are some of the other things that you've been developing your gaming or inter- sure. and I see a lot of uh, something <laughs> about interactive as well. The interactive yeah. part oh, is well, very, yeah, very important. Broad stroke interactive. That, that's been my passion for a long time. I'm a, I'm an entertainment junkie across the board. Uh, I, I love uh, I love the entertainment experience, in particular relaying to someone a particular emotion. Getting someone to emote something outside of pure conflict and making them upset <laughs> uh, is a fascinating experience. And, and I love scaring people and making them laugh and making them have fun. And So yeah, I, I've made a whole bunch of games for all the major consoles, Xbox and PlayStation mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Are currently, we're in a, a pre-production on a 360 virtual reality film that we're going to shoot right here in Detroit. Oh, really? Wow, how will that work <laughs> when you say 360? It's it's shot in, so traditional video, essentially you look at a screen or a monitor and you, you see the traditional format and you look at it. With 360 video, the camera captures an entire 360 array. So when you put on a virtual reality headset to watch it, you can actually move around and see the entire 360 degrees of a particular scene that you're wow. experiencing. Right behind you as well. Now, is that, now tell me something, that's virtual reality, VR. Uh, yeah, but that sounds like you're in, 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 um, immersed within the movie yeah. itself because you can actually... Actually, oh, yeah. you can actually look at the scene that's going on, but there may be something going on behind you, and every participant in the movie that's watching this is going to have a different experience. Am I correct? Uh, absolutely. I, I look at it as um, Dude. as kind of a live event play. If you were in a play and oh, sitting yeah. on the stage, because there's all this action going around oh. you and these things going on, but as a creative, it's fascinating, because now I can pull your head to the left and change you to the right and, and make you have a lot of different experiences that you don't have with, with a real passive entertainment where you're just sitting watching a television you you're sitting next to a thespian did you know that oh wonderful there we go <laughs> we can, can you imagine this count seriously yes. as somebody who's involved in plays yes. and acting can you imagine what that would do what that be kind of like well it brings a whole new dimension to the situation because rather than sitting in the audience you're now sitting on the stage so uh-huh. now you're, as, as Ed says, you're immersed in the actual experience as opposed to being a viewer or a casual voyeur of the experience, mm. which is a lot different. Yeah, and, and, and if you could add other, uh, you know, and I'm sure he's probably working on some of these things, <laughs> in addition to the visual that goes along with it, if you could add other senses being stimulated, touch, uh, smell, all those other senses, oh, smell can make an entirely different <laughs> The feelies. Sure. Mm-hmm. The feelies. From um, 1986, oh, what was it? No, uh, the novel was it 1986? Was that the novel? The, he had the, the feelings. Yeah. Okay. No, no, he, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, and the other thing you could probably gonna, I, I know you're going to sneak this in there. Yeah. But in in games, there are things that people sneak into games all the time yeah. that they unlock and hide things. Easter and, eggs. And, Easter eggs. And, and and I'm sure you're going to do this in this 3D movie. Experience. <laughs> oh, oh my god. And the games in particular. Yeah. Uh, you you have a client. You have a yeah. client already with Ed. Oh, no. I, I've yeah, honestly, I've, I've yet to put an individual, a gamer, non-gamer, or otherwise, that experiences a 360 film or, or a full virtual reality game, mm. and they don't 
walk away just with their jaw on the floor. Yeah. <clears throat> Which brings up another question to me. Yeah. And I'm sorry to cut you off. No, 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 that. Go ahead. If you're doing a 360 experience in a game, do you sit? Do you stand? Do you walk around inside some sort of room? How does that all work? Yeah, kind of everything, right? Yeah, absolutely. Depends on the experience. So yeah. without a doubt, there, there's uh, some um, tip or, or typical passive experiences where you sit on the couch with a controller or a wand or hand gestures, or there's full-blown, full-room experiences where you're actually walking around in real time or otherwise. So, so basically what we're doing uh, to lack the steel from another source is uh, very much like a hollow deck on in Star Trek. You got it, absolutely. Where oh, actually wow. I built all this that we're in right now, you just don't know it. <laughs> we are, that's so a big we question. Are we inside part? a game, watching there, there us inside a game, that's watching it. us inside. Oh, and for those yeah. and for those that don't know what we're talking about and have never experienced VR, I urge you to come out to Imagine Theater and at least get a taste of what it's going to be like. That's true. Um, because we're going to set up a couple different scenarios. There, we're going to set up the HTC Vive, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then that's more of a <clears throat> that's more of an open area. Isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I, thanks, Shane. Uh, yeah. We're we're running a event on Wednesday. Actually, um, uh, Mr. Paul Glantz, uh, amazing local entrepreneur and a guy who's built an incredible theater chain. Uh, I've had a casual. Uh, um, uh, we met a couple of years ago with a film and set him and so on and so forth. He's like, man, I'd love to do something with games and what okay. can I do in this space? So it took us a couple of years, but we came up with this kind of gaming night event. So we teamed up with Activate out of Ferndale, the gaming lounge, and uh, Mr. Glantz and Imagine Entertainment. And we're running our first ever game night this Wednesday. Uh, and it's going to be a broad stroke uh, event. So th- we have gaming lounges from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and all. Oh, I love that. All yeah. the retro systems and yeah. everything up to modern day virtual reality. Uh, multiple Xbox, Playstations. We're having uh, all the... The, the biggest uh, local Detroit gaming podcast, like Geek Pit mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Pwned Radio. So um, we're incredibly excited. To, to I, you know what's interesting, too, is that Imagine, you mentioned uh, that theater, is a different kind of a theater experience. Um, I live in Royal Oak and mm-hmm. have had a chance to be there a number of times because you not only have the movie theaters, but then you also have like a bowling alley attached to it. There's a, do- there's a lounge there. I mean, there's so much more. Oh, it's, it's an a entertainment. Night out. It's a night out. Absolutely. An entire uh, entertainment experience to stay. Oh, to- I totally agree. What they've done for the overall movie experience has taken it back uh, many, many years to where, where it kind That's of evolved. True. It evolved to this art. Right, you just might show up, but really. Everyone watch movies at home, and mm-hmm. he, they've done a great job of bringing people back out and making it a, it's a night out, which is great. You go out with your wife or your kids or otherwise, and you have a dinner and a drink and bowl and watch a movie, and they've done a great job. And they're reaching even more to bring in games and bring in gaming systems and people that enjoy that type now, of thing. Now, that's coming up November the 16th, which is a Wednesday. What time does it start? From 7 to 11 p.m. Okay. Uh, you got to remember, though, there's not, in, in my age group, you know, like I was saying earlier, I'm going to be 50 soon, and I'm a Gen X gamer. There's not a lot of things that my wife and I can go out and do anymore at night besides go to a bar. So this is yeah, going to be something where yeah, you can go out. True. You know, the movies is one thing and theater is another, but to actually go out and ha- experience, you know, have some play some games together, have some great food, because they're going to have that taco bar. Mm-hmm. Oh, I El- Elbow right? right out of the way, yeah. They're going to have the taco bar. <laughs> they're going to have drink specials. Uh, we're going to do giveaways and prizes. It's going to be an experience a whole night. Absolutely. And I think that that's great. There's so many people that, um, I mean, like you uh, you guys talking about that, you know of gamings, you've heard of games, but you haven't really played a lot. Here's a chance where you could experience literally 40 years 
years of gaming entertainment and gaming ex- history yep. up to the latest state of the art stuff that just came out last week from stuff that came out in the early 70s so it'll be it'll be a really unique and fun experience Nate McClure otherwise known as Thane McClure is our guest here in studio along with Shane Hamlin and we're talking about an experience coming up this coming Wednesday November 16th at Imagine Theater in downtown Royal Oak that's 11 mile and uh, uh, Main Street yep. it's an, just being there at the theater is a neat experience but you can also go online to internetadvisor.net and you can and find out more about registering early as Mr. Baker was doing a little earlier on on the program was registering here on the air but you can do that anytime there guys would you explain the difference between AR and VR uh, augmented reality and virtual reality how do those things yeah, how about yeah, ab- things have answered this so so uh, essentially we have augmented reality is is um, um, taking our current situation our current reality like you're the table in front of you so to speak and putting something on it via a visual display. Okay, hang, hold on to that, and we'll come back and finish up that thought. We've got to take a quick break when we step back out into reality. <laughs> We're going to come back into augmented reality and talk with Thane McClure and Shane Hamlin and our crew here about uh, this brand new world, brave new world. <laughs> Welcome back. It's the Internet Advisor, and thank you so much, by the way, for joining us. Uh, hour number two is part of our full podcast, which you can get on Sunday nights after you go to internetadvisor.net. Over <laughs> last Sunday, it ended up being Monday morning at 3.30. Yeah, <laughs> 3.34, yes, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> By the time you were done, but yeah, uh, well, you I'm had a good done. excuse. You had a good excuse. Yeah, but, uh, but thanks, guys, for being yeah. around here. And I want to uh, recognize also mm-hmm. Thane, uh, Nate McClure, otherwise known as Thane McClure, is with us in studio, along with Shane Hamlin. We're talking about gaming. And uh, what I'd ask you to do, um, uh, Thane, before we uh, went to the break, was talk a little about the, the difference between augmented reality mm-hmm. and virtual reality because augmented reality if I look some of the things that Microsoft did was like it's in the world you're in you got it virtual a- reality is actually another world a- absolutely, absolutely. That, that's that's the best way to look at it like kind of a, as a, a full spectrum uh, so an augmented reality component you'll have an overlay essentially something that's in front of you but still you can see everyone in the room you can see your full surrounding where virtual reality is the other end of the spectrum where, where we're actually creating an entire world that immerses you in so what we're going to see over uh, right now, there's a whole bunch of technologies out. I'm sure you've all seen some of them in regards to the virtual reality goggles, the augmented reality goggles like HoloLens, like you're talking mm-hmm. about Microsoft. Uh, over time, we're going to see kind of a uh, emergence of a, or th- those are going to come together. And essentially, going to be a sliding scale, like you talked about the holodeck, where you'll have your glasses on and you'll be able to project something on your table for for simple sake, let's say a chess board that we could play chess on. But then you're going to have essentially a slider system that's going to be able to go full the way around that we can play chess on the Alps or wherever we want to play. Oh, so I we'll love be able it. To change the entire system. Uh, that is fascinating. Great, yeah. So he came in here and told us that this studio is actually virtual reality. He's made it for us <laughs> and that sort of thing. And what did he do for me? At the expense of getting in trouble with my wife, he gives me a room full of 50-year-old yeah. guys. <laughs> where are the, you know, where are the, where the beautiful women at? Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's be a little more creative here. You'll have to come out to Imagine Theater on Wednesday. Absolutely. Because okay. <laughs> that's where all the girls are going to be. Let's, <laughs> feel, let's face gonna, it, right? We've been talking about gaming but let's talk about the movie industry because this is really going to i would imagine have a huge impact on the way we experience movies 
either at home or in, in theaters. Yeah, it's a um, we're at a very early stage across the board. I mean, there's a lot of uh, very powerful and uh, creative individuals in Hollywood that are experimenting in this space. Uh, but we're still on first gen technology. Uh, yep. We really yep. just saw the first gen come out this year. We see uh, next gen coming out Q1 of next year. Uh, so it's uh, it's very experimental, which is fun. I mean, how many things are experimental nowadays? Not much. So That's here's true. a full creative space that from Spielberg on down is playing with and creating stuff, content in. So ah. it's, it's fascinating space. Yeah, it is a great space to be in. I yeah. just game it. I just play it. <laughs> I let the end of the mastermind of all this stuff develop it, and I just play it. <laughs> well, games is light years ahead of movies right now yeah. in regard to virtual space because you have the overall fidelity quality of a, a visual image. Uh, when we're when we're capturing twelve different angles of four K, the amount of data is massive. Uh, so we have to degrade it usually to put it outline or to distribute it. Where a game we can create high quality, high poly models in a space. And we've been making virtual worlds for for decades in games. Yeah, There's sure. nothing yeah, new exactly. here. Yeah. The only difference is we are looking at it through a television. Where now your head gets to be the television. Essentially, you get to be inside of it. Wow, that's fascinating. And like I've, like I've said before, I'm still. I don't want to say. I've done the VR and I've tried them all. Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for the right game for me. I just haven't experienced it yet. I mean, I've done the Batman, which was great, mm-hmm. but the movement in it seemed a little clunky to me. Um, and we've I've reviewed these these VR first games. generation, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I'm waiting for that more fluent experience. And I know Than is going to is going to be doing some great stuff down the down the road, and I'm looking forward to getting into some of that stuff. You know what's kind of interesting about this? Our first hour was about disruption. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or disruption, as somebody called it. <laughs> but disruption is really what's going on here as well in oh, terms of the significant. movie industry. I mean, take entertainment out of it and purely look at it from a um, display device. Uh, within the next 10 years, all monitors, all televisions are all gone. All our display devices are going to be projected in our own headgear or otherwise. I mean, right now, if you put on a Microsoft HoloLens, I could display 30 monitors on all the walls in here that I can see, I can share with you. Uh, so all of our current... Uh, display technology is going to be antiquated very soon. So we won't be going to a movie. We'll be buying one of these virtual reality sets, if you will, and jump in and create our own. You get, well, right now, uh, with all the, the, the big guys, the Oculus and the Vive, the, the high-end systems, you can buy as a small program, 5 to $10, and it makes a virtual movie studio in your helmet. So mm-hmm. all of your, your, your Blu-rays or DVDs, you can play in your own virtual uh, movie theater, which when you put the headset on, your screen could be 100 feet wide. Mm-hmm. Because oh, wow. your, your understanding of dimension is, I mean, at the end of the day, these are just cameras, right? Your eyes are just cameras at the end of the day and we can trick them quite easily once we put that headset on you all of a sudden you're on the top of them you're on the moon or you're here or you're there it's amazing hey guys, what, what do you does. think this means in terms of of uh, bandwidth and throughput isn't this going to be requiring a tremendous like well, gigabit and well, you, gigabit and you're, talk, you're talking gigabit ethernet at the minimum and then you're talking all the isp and cable providers bringing you glass to your door you're going to have to run that type of speed mm-hmm. and that type of data to be able to do these sort of things. The only thing that's going to be weird about this, I mean, I'm going to love it. I'm going to enjoy it, too. But, you know, it used to be fun when you bought a bigger TV than your buddy had, and you could just <laughs> you could brag about it. Now, there's no bragging anymore. <laughs> you know, you'll just invite a bunch of people over for a Super Bowl party, and it's going to be a room full of people with helmets on just sitting there. <laughs> well, but they'll all be watching the Super right. Bowl from the 50-yard line seat where the camera's set up. This is so true. they'll be like they're at the stadium. It's going to be more about the experience you know than the size so how how do you consume 
<laughs> Sorry about you that. You him off on a rant. How do you... Um, Been doing podcasts too long now. <laughs> how do you deal with um, the whole marketing then right now? How do you avoid getting caught like in, in 4K when it's going to be 8K? Or, I mean, in other words, how do you... You will never, ever, 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 times 10 to the 15th power get around that. It's yeah. been that way forever That's since true. the beginning of time. It's going to stay that way because every time we create something new, someone's going to create something newer. Mm-hmm. It drives it. it, it that's, that's how that the game the works. So th- that's the beauty of it. It's not. A, it, you never have to catch up because we're pushing it forward. So we don't, we don't, I try not to look at it as that. Uh, if, I, if I try to catch up with technology, I will constantly be behind. I will yeah, never yeah, be there. exactly. So I look at it as a driving force of how can I be creative and how can I drive that forward? Because the beauty thing, there, there's so many intelligent, brilliant people working in this space across the board where I come up with an idea to push them and vice versa. They develop technology that pushes me to be more creative. So it's a, it's a really interesting uh, dichotomy that keeps moving it forward. You know, you got kind of a caught in the bait and switch of the <laughs> Michigan's uh, movie uh, incentive program. Uh, beyond that, um, where is Michigan in terms right now of being part of that newer reality of developing uh, th- this industry? There's some fascinating. Um, um, broad stroke entertainment uh, um, were. We're not we're not cutting edge, you know. We're not in the front, but I, I don't think collectively we're trying to be in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, technology, on the other hand, absolutely, uh, because you know games are wonderful, and don't get, I, I love making games. But what we're doing in the virtual reality space in regards to uh, education, yes. uh, manufacturing, mm-hmm. training, simulations. Uh, you know, we're talking about the big three and some of the major entities that exist in this state. Yep. They are neck deep in this stuff. Yep. And yep. they see the, the premise and opportunity of it without a doubt. Yeah, Gary, that's yeah. something we talked about before about that's right. actually the auto industry not, not catching up with anything being on the cutting edge and beyond. That's right. And big consumers, right? They use the technology as opposed to just developing it and trying to sell it to somebody. We are the buyers sometimes. Mm-hmm. Now, before uh, we run out of time. And, you know, it's interesting because mm-hmm. um, while... This is all really wonderful. You do have to have enablers and, you know, formation data systems, uh, very, very cheap data storage, right? We need cheap data storage. And they're coming up with something, Gigabyte to the Home, that uh, we announced last week with Comcast. You know, it's all happening. So the enablers are are happening as well. Boy, I feel like I'm on the uh, hollow deck itself there on the Enterprise. (laughs) Hey, Thane, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. And Shane Hamlin, as always, good having you in here. Don't forget, Wednesday. Yeah, please come join us. November 16th, cool it's going to be at the Imagine Theater. Be there or be square. Internetadvisor.net, you'll be able to sign oh, yeah, up bro. there for it. All right? Taco bar, taco bar. Taco bar, taco <laughs> bar. Ed's, Ed's still drooling over that. Guys, thanks so much for being with us, and thank you all out there for listening to us here on our number two of the Internet Advisor. Again, if you go to internetadvisor.net on Sunday night, we'll have the entire program there. You can link to and uh, maybe sign up for getting into that great show that's going to be on Wednesday night. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the Internet Advisor Show, Detroit's longest-running, locally-produced computer show, with Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and our team of experts. For more information about our weekly show, to ask a question of our experts, or find the show notes for this podcast, visit internetadvisor.net. And look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to check the other great podcasts available on this podcastdetroit.com network. Thank you for listening.